Hello everyone, I'm Tim. And I'm Sharon. And you're listening to another Recovery Room Convo. Podcast number 121. Uh, yes, I've got a question. Um, just uh, recently found out, you know, my wife had an uh, emotional affair for a couple of years with an ex-boyfriend. You know, it started out uh, Facebook and then emails and then eventually some morning phone calls. Since then, we've, uh, you know, she's, she's cut it off and she was actually relieved by having it be over, she said. Um, there was no, nothing physical, she said. Um, and so in my process of healing, I'm trying to figure out something she says. Uh, her and I had a, basically an emotional gap. We weren't really plugged in with two kids and all, and we were just kind of getting the chores done and everything. So I, so I kind of understand why she had the affair because he was doting on her and everything but making her feel good. I guess the part I don't understand is, is uh, and, I, and I would ask her, you know, how did you come home? and pretend to be, you know, my wife or the kid's mother. I mean, didn't you constantly have him on your mind? And she would say no. You know, when she got home, she was able to be present with us and and not think about him. But I guess I'm curious how she was able to continue to love me, uh, but she was just kind of using him to fill those voids. I mean, she, you know, I know she told him she loved him. But I guess I'm curious, how, how is she able to separate the two? Was she truly at home when she was at home, or was she just going through the motions, you know? Or is that even possible? I don't know. Welcome to A Recovery Room Convo. Presented by AffairHealing.com. Here are your hosts, Tim and Sharon Tedder. This caller brings up a few interesting points, but let's start with his main question. Mm-hmm. A partner who's involved in an affair making the claim that, well, whatever that relationship was, I didn't bring it home with me. When mm-hmm. I was home, I was tuned in to you and to the family. I was not thinking about the other person. Mm-hmm. That separation between the affair and the marriage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be ridiculous to claim that they had no thought of the other person. Okay, <laughs> I mean, that would be my assumption. That would be, but... There's a lot of investment in conversations and feelings and all of those that don't just disappear when mm-hmm. you're in your home. Okay. And my own experience was one in which, yes, when I was back at home, when I was with my wife, my thoughts would constantly go to the affair partner. Mm. And I know that's the story of many people mm-hmm. who are emotionally connected, and maybe even get physically connected, that it mm-hmm. becomes an obsession. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to get back. The thoughts of being with the next time I get to interact with the other person. Mm-hmm. Now, see, that would be my, from somebody who has not ever had an affair, but has been married to somebody who has had affairs. My assumption is that, yeah, that's what it looks like, is that you are really wishing you were with the other person. And it's almost like thinking you're going to have dessert later. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's what I assume it would be. But then I think, well, but that doesn't, does that necessarily mean that it's like that for everyone? Right. And that's where we have to be careful. Mm-hmm. Even when I go onto the forums and 
read various people's experiences. I think there's a danger in generalizing the experience mm -hmm. of some, maybe even most, right. unfaithful spouses. Right. And what happens to you to make the assumption, well, then that must be true of you as well. You know, right. Martin. That's always dangerous. And yet we do that all the time as human beings. I believe there are people who are very capable of compartmentalizing relationships. I guess some of the factors you could consider when determining how easy or difficult it might be for someone to compartmentalize might be the extent of emotional and physical investment in the relationship how easy it is for them to have access to the other person. In other words, if there has to be particular effort to get together, and if it's an online connection rather than offline, that could make some difference for some people and, and their ability to compartmentalize it to a particular time or place. A person's general personality and ability to compartmentalize anything. You know, some people are just better at doing that than others. Mm -hmm. I mean, those would be some of the factors considered in understanding why some people can do that and others don't. Mm -hmm. I just know that there's a difference between what my personal experience was, where the affair was constantly bleeding into mm -hmm. my everyday experiences, and some of the other couples that I've worked with that get to a healthy place and can tell the story of being able to put those things into distinct areas of thought and consideration in her mind. And I'm not saying that there is no bleeding between the two, but there is less. Mm -hmm. For some people, when they say, when I came home, I was not constantly thinking about the other person. I was able to give my attention to the things that were required at home with my children, taking care of things. That can be true. You know what else I wonder though, I have to wonder about the capacity to fool ourselves into thinking that that's true too. You know, I just wonder how much of that her, his wife wishes was true or has told herself, I'm not letting this affect or bleed into... Do you know right, what I mean? Like right. some of I think is that sure. too. Sure. So there's a number of possibilities in this particular circumstance and mm -hmm. we're not involved with them. So we don't know the details. We certainly right. don't know her part of things other than what he's telling us. But there are possibilities. One possibility is that she's pretty good at compartmentalizing and so... What she says is mostly true. She invested on this in this online relationship or whatever it became in an emotional level. And when she was with her children, with her husband, her, the behavior she was going to kind of crowded that other thing out. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't constantly thinking about it. Mm -hmm. The other possibility is eh, it was a little bit more diffused than that, maybe even more than she realizes. She right. convinced herself, oh, those are separate things, mm -hmm. but it was impacting. Sure. And I think that you and I would both say, eh, an affair always impacts in ways. Mm -hmm. You can't just separate with a hard wall between them. It's One's going to impact the other. Right. And the third possibility is that maybe she's saying that to try to save his feelings. True. That's she's not telling the truth because she doesn't want to hurt him. Because right. the truth is that when she was home, she was thinking about the other person. Yeah, but that's extremely painful. It too. is painful. So I, I can't say for sure what's going on. I just know... When I think an unfaithful spouse is trying to be as honest as they can to say, I wasn't constantly bringing that person into our home in my thinking. I wasn't obsessed. There can be some truth in that. I don't think that's completely true, like I said. Can't mm -hmm. put that strict wall up between the two. Mm -hmm. But I think that could be more true in some circumstances than it is in others. Another point to talk about is um, that it was started on social media. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know if any research studies have been done to try to really gauge if there is a rise in either emotional affairs or full-blown affairs since social media has taken I have no question. No question at all. So you think that because they now have the mode before where people might be tempted to have an affair, because it actually required so much more of you to actually physically go out and meet somebody or whatever, and now it's like you can just peruse online and go to Ashley Madison or... Well, and it's not it's not just strangers like Ashley Madison hooked me right. up with somebody. Right. Oftentimes, it's a reconnection with a past mm-hmm. partner, lover, right. boyfriend, girlfriend, right. whatever. Yeah. Those people often hold fairly significant emotional places sure. in their lives. Absolutely. And, and I don't think it's uncommon for someone to have very fond memories of a first love. Even though those first loves ended for a reason. If we could go back and experience them, there was a lot of negative, you mm-hmm. know, there maybe heartbreak when it ended. And yet when we move past them, we tend to remember those strong feelings of the first experience of romance, the first mm-hmm. experience of attraction, mm-hmm. sometimes the first experience of sexual connection. Mm-hmm. And those tend to be the things that hold on a lot of times, especially if things are going bad in our current relationship. Right. We can think back on fondness. However, in the past... That would be just a thought. Mm-hmm. It's not a boundary anybody would cross to call up an old boyfriend. To go find and, them. Yes. Try, like hire a private investigator to track them down or but something. But the ease at which we can do that yep. now. That's right. Or the connections that we don't even have to try that Facebook makes for us. Oh, right. we think you might know this person. And all of a sudden you're going, I do. I wonder how they're doing. And yeah. it can start off as that innocent, yeah, let's just have a conversation. And right. If they're in the place where they're open to crossing boundaries, mm-hmm. all of a sudden that's being stirred up. And the longing to re-experience that initial high again mm-hmm. of romantic connection. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing, you know, because that, that specific thing, I remember I told you that, I don't know, several months ago, that they did that with an ex-boyfriend of mine. Mm-hmm. It suddenly popped up in, maybe you know so-and-so. And I was like, duh! <laughs> you know, and it happened twice. That same person, they put him in my feed twice. And I was like, get out of here, you know? I actually, you know, kind of gave it some thoughts. I thought, how weird is that that they do that? And how that can spark people to reconnect in this way. Because, like you said... Not only did the relationship end for a reason, there's a reason it ended, right? So that hasn't changed. But then also, you never knew what it was like to spend 15 years with that person because you didn't. So you don't know what that's like. And you have no earthly idea whether or not that would have been a good relationship after several years. You have no idea. That person may have cheated on you, you know? (laughs) That person, you may have fallen out of love with that person too. It's it's not that they're somehow better than the person you're with right now. It's that you didn't actually go through the reality of life with that person for very long. Or maybe you did. Maybe you were with that person for a long, long time, but maybe they broke your heart or something. And so you never got to experience that feeling of falling out of that high of romantic love with them. And the truth is, in most marriages, the way the marriage relationship started was with as much connection and attraction, sometimes even more, and greater intimacy Mm -hmm. than that earlier relationship. However, most of the time when an affair has happened, people will come back, the person that had the affair, 
and they will describe their perception of that earlier relationship being so much more natural, stronger connection, greater intimacy than their marriage was. It's how we redefine our situations mm -hmm. to convince ourselves that that's really what we want to need and deserve, that that's the reality, when it's just what we do to justify <laughs> moving in a particular Well, yeah, direction. and we don't intentionally do no. it usually. I mean, well, sometimes maybe, thought. but yeah, no, but I think, yeah, that we do that. It's that, that idea of supporting our own belief system all the time, even when we're not aware we're doing it. We're sure. trying to look for the things that support how we feel and what we believe. And in Gottman's research with relationships, the more a relationship becomes negative, more critical they become, their evaluation, even of the history of the marriage, changes. Mm -hmm. And their, a person's perception of the way they connect with their spouse, and maybe in the way they always connected with their spouse, is diminished in its evaluation, even though objectively that's not the truth. They, mm -hmm. We just don't remember it. And now all of a sudden we're in connection with this person on Facebook or some other means that we remember all the positive, good, natural, strong feelings and connections we had. And the comparison between what we feel like we're missing in the moment and what we had back there, yeah, that's a pretty powerful attraction. Mm-hmm. People need to be very cautious about the boundaries they set up in mm -hmm. social media. And that doesn't mean that it's always inappropriate to connect with a past boyfriend or girlfriend. But I would say if you're married and you feel that that's a healthy connection, there should be very clear, open communication with your spouse or partner about mm -hmm. that's what I intend to do. I don't want you to be threatened or don't want to compromise our relationship at all. So it needs to be very open, very transparent if mm -hmm. that's going to happen. But in most cases, I would encourage safe boundaries. Yeah, definitely. The caller had another question about his wife's ability to still love him while she was involved emotionally with this other person mm -hmm. and wondered, is it possible to have feelings for somebody else and that she still loved me? Mm-hmm. What so you, what do you think? <laughs> well, I do believe it's possible to love two people right. at the same time. Mm -hmm. I don't I do not think that's impossible. Right. I do not think it's possible to love two people romantically well at the same time. Well, of course. And then, but then what does well mean? <laughs> I would say in the context of marriage, it means that we are remaining true to the promises that we've made to one another. And once I am not honoring my faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And once I have to be secretive and dishonest, right. there's no way I'm loving you well. Right. There are people who are in open relationships and apparently, according to both of them, they are happy with that. So we're not talking about those people. No. We're talking about people where one person wants to be monogamous and only love that other person and the other person is choosing to say... I care about two different people. Well, and they've changed their mind in that regard. Yes, Because they've said, I That's am only going to love you. Right, <laughs> right. I... They've, they've now decided that they are, you know, wanting to love two different people. So is that possible? I don't know. And I think that you're right in saying, are we able to love both of them well? Mm, I doubt that. I doubt it. Yeah. I doubt it. Uh, just because of the nature of romantic love and, again, how it kind of permeates that slot in your mind. Well, from her perspective, she was getting something different from both sure. men in her life. Of course. From her husband and from the other person. Right. 
And I don't know, but she may have defined the love for her husband as that common, well, I did love you. I mm-hmm. just didn't feel as in love with you as mm-hmm. I did with the other person. Mm-hmm. And that gets all complicated. But mm-hmm. I think instead of trying to be very specific about what kind of feelings can you have for two people, because I do think you can have feelings for two sure. different people at the same time. I think the bigger question when it comes to loving from his perspective is, when could I no longer trust you? I mean, at some point she was acting in a way that was untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of love that when we come to marriage, I mean, I think even deeper and, and more significant than how we're making each other feel all the time. It's this promise we're making to one another that we are partners together. Mm-hmm. And I want you to trust me. And I'm going to trust you that in this lifelong journey, we are going to continue to work on us and we do things together. And at some point when someone steps out of that trust, mm-hmm. there's no way that's loving them. Mm-hmm. Not in the way that you agreed to at the beginning. But where do you draw that line, the trust? Is it all like actions the person takes, if they're secretive or if they're not being clear? Or is it even in their mind? Well, it can start in your thinking. Well, I'm sure it always does. But I'm saying, is that where you draw the line? Is that like untrustworthy if they have thoughts they don't share with you? Because that seems like... No, no, I don't think it's just thoughts. I mean, we can't control every thought that comes to mind. It's just what we do with that thought when it comes. Right, right. Do I act on it? Right. Or do I even nurture the thought and sit there and think about it and long for it and it becomes this fantasy and wish that I had, which can be just as destructive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if a message pops up on Facebook saying, hey, here's somebody that you might know and it's a previous relationship, I'm not going to have no thought about that person or right. no remembrance of it and no fondness. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's, right. But what am I going to do with it in that right. moment? Right. Am I going to long for it? Am I going to want to pursue the feelings of that again? Or am I just going to recognize it but put up the appropriate boundaries because I'm in this relationship that I've made promises about? I'm in this relationship where there is an established trust that I don't want to break because I know that's going to diminish what we have between us. Mm-hmm. It's going to be destructive. So I often find myself saying to a betrayed spouse when they say, well, he said he still loved me. I said, he probably did, mm-hmm. or she probably did, mm-hmm. but they weren't loving you well. Right. And now it's, are you willing to trust that they will return to the commitment and the promises they made? And can you both rebuild to the place of mutual trust, connection, and intimacy again? You know, I think part of the loving well is not just what you're getting from that person, but what you're giving to them. And I think the distinction there for her in the caller's wife's mind it's like you said earlier she was getting something from both of them she was getting something from the affair partner Mm -hmm. and she was getting something from her husband Mm -hmm. when it becomes about the other person more that's loving well Mm -hmm. so somewhere along the line she stopped really focusing on how well she was loving her husband and it became all about what she was getting from her husband and what she was getting from the affair partner yeah So I think that's where the line gets drawn too, because it's when you make those choices to say, you know what? Yeah, I may not be getting what I need for my husband right now, but I'm not going to go try to find it somewhere else. I'm going to try to work on getting it from him somehow, meaning I'm going to work on my communication. I'm going to work on really taking some action to maybe try to get my marriage healthier. You know, if I'm missing something, what is it and how can we go about fixing it? I'm going to try to fix it here with my husband, not feed into... Oh, but look how easy it is to get that thing I'm missing from my affair partner. Woo, I can get that from there. I don't even have to work on my husband. 
if this caller were sitting in my counseling office, I think I would say, you know, you can accept what your wife is saying, that there was a distinction between these two relationships. You can accept her apology if you want to, and her remorse for what happened, and mm-hmm. her commitment to be focused on your marriage. And if you choose to do that, you can stop trying to unravel all of the things of the past, mm-hmm. resolve what needs to be resolved, but moving forward, I think there can be curiosity about what was it in the nature of that other relationship that was fulfilling to you, that's missing. Is it missing in us? How can we nurture that so that we can have a stronger connection? That's a great goal to work towards Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. Sharon, you've read a number of resources on forgiveness and have recommended some in the past. I I think of the book, Forgive for Good, isn't Mm -hmm. that one? We've we've heard many times from people um, that they've benefited from that recommendation. Yeah, it's a great book. But you've recently read another one that you liked as well yeah i'm i'm still going through it like i in the mornings but it's called the art of forgiveness loving kindness and peace it's by jack cornfield he takes you know different quotes about forgiveness loving kindness and peace Mm -hmm. those three topics and he just compiled them together and they're real short each one is just you know uh, some of them are just one sentence on the page uh but some of them are you know like a couple paragraphs just little thoughts, meditations on forgiveness, loving kindness, and peace. You know, that would be a great resource for that practice we encourage people to do. Yep. To change their thinking. Yep. We said earlier in the podcast, you can't control every thought that comes to your mind. And when you've been wounded, when you've been betrayed, you're constantly bombarded with the thoughts of betrayal and the fear of, can I trust this person again? And if you choose to work on your marriage, you've got to be able to recognize those fears when they come to you, those pains, but be able to turn that and focus on a different truth instead, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So we are constantly encouraging, what is the message of hope that you want to believe? You don't, right. have, you don't have to pretend the other doesn't exist, but start defining what you want to move towards. And it sounds like that book provides a number of really good statements or goals or thoughts. to. Oh, absolutely. And some that. of them are so good because they're so succinct but powerful. The one that comes to my mind that I have said a lot of times, I'm, I'm going to paint this saying on a wall hanging for my office because I've got a couple of those that I've done already. He says, forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. Hmm. That's pretty good. <laughs> yes. What's the na- name of the book again? The Art of Forgiveness, Loving Kindness, and Peace. We'll put a link to that and the other book that we mentioned in the podcast notes for this podcast, affairhealing.com slash podcast 121. If you're interested in receiving any personal help from either Sharon or me, go to affairhealing.com slash coaching for more information on how you can schedule personal phone coaching with either one of us. To listen to past episodes of this podcast, go to affairhealing.com slash podcast or listen using iTunes or any other popular podcast player. Mm-hmm.